Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Judy has booked a really incredible show today. It includes a 14-year-old inventor who invented something for dogs. I don't know what it is, but I hear it's an amazing invention. So I know, Alan, you'll be around for that, always looking for yes. an invention. Always. Also on the show, a lady who's an amputee, and because she's an amputee, she went to work at one of these prosthetic places, and she designed prosthetic limbs for pets. Yes. Oh, that's cool. And she has a brand new show. Well, it's not her show, but she's a part of the show on PBS called My My Bionic Pet. (laughs) I need a bionic mouth is what I need. Also, we're going to have on a Beastmaster. I have no idea what this is. Is this... Family material, Judy? Yes, it is. Yes, I wouldn't put anything on the show that Okay, wasn't. I just want to make sure that it's yes. family-friendly for you. Tammy, what are you working on? Oh, this could you could have fun with this at a cocktail party. If the survey is right, you tell me the kind of pet you have, and I'll be able to tell you what kind of job you have. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, we'll see. Says there's a connection. Could be. Do you have a bird? I know Joey has a bird. Joey has a bird. That probably tells a little bit about what kind of guy he is. There's this uh, guy, Ashtush Goswami. He was included in a list of suspects who could have robbed his aunt Neelam's and then murdered her inside her house in India. What? He was was on this list of... Mm -hmm. Apparently, police asked the wife's parrot to help. And the police mentioned the names of all the suspects one by one, and then the parrot had a violent reaction when they named uh, Ashtush's name and began screaming, Usamara, Usamara, which, of course, in that language, which I have no idea what it is, mm-hmm. means he's a killer, he's the killer. And so he was, he finally confessed and was arrested. Ooh. None of this stuff ever happens in America, I noticed. No. Wow. Can we file this away somewhere? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Put it in the round file. Fingered by a bird. It's a family show. The Manson family. Yeah. You know what we need? We need a listener to save us. This is DC. How you doing today? Good. How you doing? What's up? Uh, well, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'll tell you what I got. Um, I got two chihuahuas, and and, and the female just had puppies three days ago, and the male, okay. he's the one taking it so hard. As a matter of fact, he, he, I, I was thinking about maybe I should take him to the vet to get him some, something for depression. <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm afraid that maybe he's so angry about that uh, my female dog won't pay him no attention, and mm-hmm. I'm afraid he might just you know try to hurt the puppies. I, I'm, I really don't know what he's gonna do because he's just acting out his head right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me get to the, the to the to the female. Uh, she um, first she just she wouldn't eat the puppies for no reason at all, not even it. Drink water, not not even to eat, unless you know you get something like a hot dog or something like something something was a favorite. But I finally did take the food to her this morning, and she ate it. So that's kind of a problem. Okay, well, it sounds like you've got a very attentive mom, and she yeah. is very concerned about the well-being of the babies to her own detriment. And and we do see this in female dogs, uh, some that have such a strong mothering instinct that they um, don't want to eat, they don't want to leave the baby. So you actually, in many cases, uh, sometimes we have to forcibly take mom away, give her a little private time, let her do her potty business, give her a quiet room where she can eat. And that can help for some of the females. Um, Now, if her being away from the babies is more distressing, then I'd like 
like what you did, where you brought the food to her so that she can accomplish both things. And and dad's problems going on right now uh, can be several different motivations. So one is that he, yeah, he may, res- I don't say resent, dogs don't resent um, the lack of attention that he's getting, but he may be very focused and interested in what's going on. Um, so you kind of have to gauge the level of interaction that you permit the male, depending on how everything's going along. Some female dogs do not want any other creature around their babies. Um, okay. And and she might hurt him or the male might hurt the babies. Now, if these guys, have they been through a litter before or is this their first time together? First time. Okay. So you kind of have to read the situation a little bit to see um, what dad is doing. But I would basically have him on a leash and um, have you know someone monitoring him while you're watching her and see what the interaction is. If, she, or if she's upset, her hackles are going up, or she is um, you know guarding those babies, I would not even risk that. In some males, it's best for them to just stay away. <laughs> okay. If he wants to be an I'd involved like, parent, I'd, that's I'd great. Like but That's the best thing for him because she's ready to fight him if he tries to come around her. Yeah, then let's keep these babies away. And, uh, you know, there's there's no reason we want to increase her level of stress in any way. Um, oh. But, you know, and with some moms, they can be even hostile to the, the humans in the household when they are protecting their young. So that, too, is an, a thing to be cautious with. Um, I still like to handle the babies, and I still like to, you know, get them exposed to human com- um, contact very young. But you got to do that cautiously so you don't injure yourself or, or distress the mom. I got one more question. Uh, when can I touch the puppies? When can you touch the puppies? Actually, yeah, you can so. touch them at any point. So it's not um, it's not like some of those wildlife where if you touch them, the mom's going to reject them because you've, you've got oh, your okay. scent on them. So that won't happen. But uh, just, just use caution and watch her body language so that you're not going to put yourself in a point where you're going to get injured. The, the best way to kind of manage that is what I like to do is to just kind of put a little light slip leash on the mom and then that way you have control of her and you can just kind of gently while you're talking to her just kind of gently kind of take her to the side a little bit and then you can handle the babies and then you what you do is after you handle them you give them right back to her and you return them to her area and then she'll see that you're not a physical threat to the babies and um, that makes her more at ease for future handling so uh, you're kind of training her at the same time (laughs) all right i really appreciate it uh your help uh, dr debbie and uh, okay so one more question so the male dog, he don't need to, he don't need nothing with depression, huh? Not likely, no. And you know, some yeah. some male dogs, you know, whether it's their hormones and the females are in heat, or you know, they've got something like this going on, they just may not the most may not be the most interested in food. Um, so uh, yeah. if it takes getting him out of the situation a little bit, take him over to your family member's house, something like that, he might do a little bit better just to be away from some of the commotion. All right, I, I appreciate it so much, and uh, you have a good day, and thanks, your staff. Thank All you right. very much. Well, good luck with those babies there. Take okay, care, DC. Okay, bye. Line four, and we have Bob on the phone. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Good, good. What's going on in got, your world? Uh, I've got a couple of chow chows, a male and a female, and uh, the uh, when, when I feed the female dog, and then it's time to let her out, she'll like eat half of her food, and I'll let her outside. She'll let me know she wants to come back in, and I'll open the door. She'll just sit there and look up at me, and I'll say, do you want to come in or not? She'll turn her back on me and put her back towards me. <laughs> what, what? And uh, my oh, wife, man. the same thing. I'll go up there and 
I says, what's wrong with the dog? She says, she's giving me the cold shoulder. Well, uh, Bob, have you... I'm glad you called. I am so glad you called because chows are unique dogs. I'm sure Dr. Debbie's had an experience with chows too, but they're not sure? like your yeah, they're not like your German Shepherd or your Golden Retriever. They are very they're they're more like cats, and they're often misunderstood by people. The the average training methods and motivational techniques don't work on chows. You know, you can't force them to do anything, and with a chow, oh. it, it's it's yeah. all about respect. They're they're regal. They're beautiful, and. Uh, you know, you have to establish control from the beginning with a chow, and, and he has to respect you, and you have to earn his respect. And so your dog, it's, it's very funny, a chow will do what a chow wants to do and uh, saves the affection for the people that he really cares about. But it's obvious that your chow, you, you probably haven't earned your dog's respect, and I'll tell you why. The dog is controlling you. Okay, so when your dog is sitting by the door, you're going over to open the door. And, and so the chow is getting a reaction out of you. The chow is controlling you. You're not in charge. You're not forcing the chow to kind of respect you by being in control. You're calm. I like that. So the next time the chow sitting there by the door, just ignore that dog. Just ignore her. Don't even pay any attention to her. And when you want her to come in, you go to the door. Open the door. Don't talk to the dog because they don't understand you, and, and chows are not even going to pay attention to you. They'll walk away. You know, Just open the door and go, come. If the dog doesn't, then just close the door and walk away. And pretty soon the dog's going to realize and understand that, you know, when you say come, it means now. And if, and if she doesn't, it might be hours before you invite her in again. And it's kind of how you have to manipulate a chow. You have to be a very powerful personality, but not a forceful personality. You have to be confident, calm, and you have to just act the way you want the dog to. Whatever you want the dog to get from your behavior, you act that way. So you lead. With a chow, you lead. And, uh, you know, they're just, they're just unique. They're very unique. They're very unique dogs. Well, you hit the nail right on the head. That just that describes her to a T. Uh, the male dog, uh, he's, we got him as a, a teenager, if you will, and uh, we kind of had to establish the, you know, who's the alpha on that one. And he, he picked it up right away. He was, uh, I didn't ever have to, uh, you know, he, I, they're all I've different. Never used you, an you know, at all in my life. In general, you're a calm oh, guy, but in, in general, chows are very strong-willed dogs. They need an equally strong-willed owner. They have minds of their own, yeah. and if you if you let them, they will become the master of you. So before anybody yeah. listening ever decides to go out and get a chow, give it some serious thought because you really have yeah. to be a powerful, calm personality. Well, that's that's her. Her exactly. She's just trying to manipulate things. So. Well, at least I've got a little insight of uh, what I perceive to be the cold shoulder. I just, like you said, I just shut the door and said, "All right, when you decide you want to come in, just so." But from now on, see I'll now, take so, your so now turn that around. I'll turn that. Turn that around, my friend. It's when you decide you want her to come in, okay? It's not what she decides. That's the only way you're going to earn a child's respect. It's kind of like, hey, come. And if the dog doesn't listen by the second come, just shut the door and walk away. When the dog's sitting by the door, pay absolutely no attention. 
Well, thank you very much. You hit, hit the nail right on the head on the personality there. That's 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 great. Thanks for your thank call, you. Bob. I appreciate it. I lived with a chow. They're interesting dogs. You know, Alan, you're a carpenter for dogs' behavior. A carpenter? What is that? That's funny. What does that mean? Well, he kept, he said you hit the nail on the head, and you are the carpenter <laughs> to his dog's behavior. Oh, chows are, you know what? They are the anti-dog. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is a time-sensitive message from the Back Pain Relief Hotline. Millions of people across the nation are suffering from back pain. Are you? Are you on Medicare? Is it hard to walk, to bend over, or even do simple things? Well, we have great news. If you're on Medicare, you could qualify to receive a pain-relieving back brace. We'll handle all the Medicare paperwork if you qualify and ship your new back brace right to your door. Make sure you have your Medicare card ready and please call. Call us right now and get all the details. It only takes a few minutes. Imagine doing everything you used to do before your back pain. With your Medicare card ready, call the Back Pain Relief Hotline today. Call now. 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by the Health Alert Hotline. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. And two, which one? Four, four. How are you doing, Jane? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Um, Adamstown, Pennsylvania. Oh, you got to love it. Listening on WEEU, I bet. That's correct. Those guys are awesome. What's going on? Well, my chihuahua has been having, probably for the last six months, she's been doing a lot of reverse coughing. We've been to the vet. She's been on steroids. It improves it, and then when she goes off the steroids, it starts again. She has episodes. They're not related to exertion. She could be laying, sleeping, and then all of a sudden she starts having this episode. And with it, she has a lot of sneezing as well. Um, mm-hmm. We were going, we actually have an appointment to see a specialist in about a week and a half um, in Malvern, Pennsylvania, because mm-hmm. we just don't know what to do about it. And she gets so distressed when it happens, she almost draws her neck um, like she's trying to stretch to get air. And it's uh-huh. really oh, scary no. to watch. Oh, yes. So you're going to see the specialist. You've had some steroids, and that has not necessarily fully helped. How, how often is she doing this? Oh, she probably does it maybe four or five times a day. Okay. And, and when you say reverse coughing, you, we're referencing reverse sneezing, kind of well, the sound that's like a... <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, that's great. what it sounds like. But in addition, when she gets up in the morning, she's sneezing a lot. And it's not just a little sneeze. They're almost like violent sneezes. Mm, okay. So I All don't right. know if this is allergies or if it's, I don't know. All righty. Well, I can tell you, and I really, I, I really appreciate this question because this is great that you are empowering yourself before you go into that vet office. And I think that is a wonderful thing for any pet owner. So you want to make good use of that time when you're in there with that doctor. So um, that's why I'm here. So we can help kind of, kind of 
put those questions in your head before you walk in and the things you're going to want to hit them with. Um, it, it just makes things go so much better. Um, you know your pet's history. You'll be able to kind of recite that out, what's worked, what's not worked, and you'll get much better bang for your buck, and, and the vet can help you better. Okay. So um, for me, with reverse sneezing, and, and this is a sound that's it is truly the opposite of a sneeze. So instead of on the... Um, exhale with a sneeze. This is on the inhale. So there's like a reverberation kind of movement. Dogs will kind of stick their neck out long like they're trying to stretch and crane their neck and they make that horrendous sound and it's a spasming type sound. Um, so that that sound and that effort is basically the body's attempt to clear irritants from the nasopharynx, so from the back of the throat and the nose area. The causes of this can be a lot of different things, and it can be. You mentioned allergies, certainly. It can be something like that. Um, in some cases, it can be something anatomically wrong, so maybe a polyp or a mass somewhere in the back of the throat. Um, I've had foreign bodies where, you know, dogs will get little pieces of grass that kind of embed into the back of the throat. Um, actually, one common cause of this and something I always like to treat for, for a pet that has persistent reverse sneezing is nasal mites. Um, these are little mites that actually live in the nasal passages of dogs and they're pretty much all over the country. So it's not something, you, oh, we don't have those bias. My dog doesn't go anywhere. Um, they're actually found all over the country and all over the world. So for me, I like to treat pets with, um, ivermectin. Um, or if they're a collie breed, we'll use a different product. Um, but we treat them for nasal mites because sometimes, you know, it's you know, it's hard to find them. You got to go in there with a scope and look around. Um, and then there are definitely some other l- what we call lymphoplasmacytic rhinitis, which is basically a type of an inflammatory problem in certain dogs. Um, so all that being said, I don't know what all your vet has done to kind of screen or to check things out, but I usually like to make sure we've got chest x-rays. I like to make sure basic blood work. We know our heartworm status. And then typically I like to do an ivermectin treatment before we see a specialist. And But once you walk in that door and you're going in to see the specialist, um, you know, I'd certainly be prepared and uh, recognizing that a lot of these problems are kind of in the nose area. So it's hard to look at a pet and know what the cause is. So we usually have to put uh, a scope or a camera up the nose or up the back of the throat to kind of look around and investigate for some of those possible causes. Now, is Uh, she sedated when they do that? Yeah, so sometimes they may do just a light sedative, but usually if they're going to put that uh, the scope in, they're going to have to have full anesthesia. Um, and that just allows them to kind of move around and, and to prevent like the gagging and so forth that would typically happen right. with that. Right. So, but, but yeah, that's basically um, the most important thing is to get the uh, visualization of those areas. And if they don't see anything, you know, then, then we take a section. We might do a biopsy. Um, in some cases, they'll do higher studies. So like a CT scan, um, you know, if it's something that's just not quite accessible or we're trying to compare the, um, the appearances of one side to the other at the same time. Right. Um, so it's just, um, you know, recognizing there could be a lot of different potential causes. And I think it depends a lot for every pet how often these type of things happen and how much it affects them. Because the a lot of times dogs will just have a reverse sneeze when they pull on their leash and it's done over with, no big deal. But uh, certainly if, if the episodes are more taxing, they occur more frequently, um, you know, it does, it does warrant looking into. Okay. Well, thank you for all that information. That does give me at least some ammunition you know at least i know what i'm i'm dealing with and um yeah that's been wonderful the only other question i had which is it sounds crazy but she eats like an absolute pig and i was thinking to myself gee maybe she aspirated something but you did kind of 
um, discuss that. So it is possible sure. as well. Yes, no, absolutely. We can get a piece of food or a piece of some kind of plant matter and kind of get that up into the, the back of the nasal passage. Um, so, yeah, it is certainly possible. Okay, well, thank you for that, all this information. I really appreciate it. Of course, right. Jane. Good luck, Jane. Yes. Thanks. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. That's 800 380 4452. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo, and most of us do consider our pets as priceless. But what if you had to put a price on your dog? If you had to, what would it be? Maybe $2 million? Well, that's how much a Tibetan Mastiff puppy just sold for in China. This one-year-old 200-pounder was purchased by a property developer at what's called a luxury pet fair. Tibetan Mastiffs have become a prized status symbol among wealthy Chinese, and that has really sent the prices rocketing. One industry insider, though, says that breeders may be conspiring to push those prices up. Now, if you've never seen a Tibetan Mastiff, they are enormous, and they have thick, round manes that make them resemble a huge lion. Behavior-wise, they are fiercely loyal to their people, and they can be very, very protective. Now, if you have a cat at home, you know what happens if you set an empty box on the floor. Yeah, the cat immediately gets in it, no matter how big it is or isn't, right? There actually are some pretty smart reasons. Seems like smaller places are safer, especially when you're sleeping. And cats also like to be warm, and smaller spots are a bit cozier. And since domestic cats are descendants of wild cats, they still instinctively select places that are easier to defend, and the smaller the spot, the easier it is to fend off the intruders. And there's a kitten right now generating a whole lot of excitement in Texas. A remote camera captured an image of an ocelot kitten in a South Texas wildlife refuge. Federal wildlife biologist Hillary Swartz says she and her colleagues were jumping up and down and literally screaming because there are fewer than 50 ocelots left in the wild in the U.S. And she tells the San Antonio Express News it's believed the kitten is female and that will add to the breeding stock and hopefully bring these gorgeous little kittens back into a better population size. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Tammy Trujillo, who just reported about the two million dollar dog. It, it, that's amazing. Oh. We we all freaked out. I think Joey most of all. Are you feeling better? We had to actually get smelling salt for Joey. Yes, I passed. I passed out. Have you ever? Uh, I just feel sorry if Joey ever has to groom a Tibetan Mastiff with this huge you know, mane. They, Joey, uh, <laughs> you'd be a day. Did you ever see it. them? From what I hear, these breeds they get only the highest class parasites. You know, they, these they have to be elite parasites for these dogs to get them. <laughs> yeah, this is true. They're I, gorgeous. Pictures, They're yeah. gorgeous yeah. dogs. They really are. And no, I've never, believe it or not, I've never groomed a breed. I'd love to, though. Well, this, take you about a week. This this particular one weighed 200 pounds that sold for $2 million. Uh, sometimes, at one year old. At, at one year old. Does that mean they're going to get bigger than that, Tammy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This dog's probably got another third to grow. So what is that price per pound? Oh, <laughs> that's just unbelievable. Well, an industry insider has said that the high prices may be a result of insider agreements among breeders to boost their dog's worth. And that uh, some of the sky-high price deals are just breeders hyping each other up and that no money actually exchanges hands. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if if that's true or not. This is just an industry insider that says this who's uh, reported it on a website that I have no clue if it's accurate or not. You, I'm just fueling the fire. Can you imagine cleaning up the poop of a 200-pound oh, dog? <laughs> oh. You'd need a shovel. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Well, I think we all feel that our animals are worth much more than $2 million. Oh, see, I wouldn't even sell Ladybug for $2 million. She's priceless. Oh, does she have a price? No, she's priceless. (laughs) There is no price that I would sell Ladybug. Of course not. They're a family for us. Yes. Uh, let's uh, oh, go to the two million. Would you? What about Miles? Buster. The two million? Yeah. Listen, Miles and Buster are about 12 years old each. So I figure, you know, <laughs> if I look at it, you know, the, 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 yeah, I'll take the two million. Nah, Joey. I you know what? Ooh. I don't know if I, if, if I could, but I'll tell you, it would be. How about my wife? What can I sell her for? <gasps> I, you know. Oh, you are in so much trouble. Joey. Oh, my God. I should be able to get at least a million then if I get two million for the dog. Yeah, you'll be lucky if you get <laughs> a million after the divorce or get to keep even. Even half of that after the divorce. Alan, would you take $2 million for uh, Rudy? You can, you can put a, the value on the human, the, what is it, the human body's worth like 68 bucks, all of your chemicals and fluids. I don't believe it's got to be more than that. That's I can sell my is, kidney man. for 3000 Yeah, well, yeah, you you could. Trust me, yeah. he's trying. Anybody else, everybody else gets fifty. Your Yours is only worth three. So would you get rid of Rudy for $2 million if someone came up to you and said, here's a cool $2 million. We want Rudy. Yeah, he's yeah he's gone. See you, Rudy. I'll come visit. Oh, you would not. Don't say that. There is no way. For two in million bucks? That. Are you kidding me? No, no, I hey, would not. Well, they, I, I would not. You, you would not. Me two million dollars. Okay. All right. Well, how about this, Doctor Debbie? Would you give away Mister Debbie for two million bucks? No, absolutely not. <laughs> You'd give him away for a million. No, I would not. You know, and it doesn't matter. There's not a dollar sign that you could tell me that I would let you pay for my husband. There you go. <laughs> for my dogs. Either way, it's just it's no way. That's- it's the table. There you go. I love this. Because hey, I'd say for a husband for the right price, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, there's always the right price, yeah. except for your animals. I would never sell my no. animals for any price. Me Judy, neither. I don't think you would either. No. Uh, I think Dr. Dr. Debbie has uh, expressed that she wouldn't either. Joey Volani said that he would indeed <laughs> sell his yes. miles I mean, I $2 bucks, for $2 man. million. Dollars, yeah. But but you know, it would have to be a good person, though. It would have to be a very, very good owner. Well, that's good sweet person. of you, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Always thinking about Rudy. Yeah, I love that dog. If you've listened to Animal Radio for any amount of time, you know two things. You know, one, that you can download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's free. Listen to the show anytime you want and ask your questions of the Dream Team right from the app. The other thing you know is I cannot pronounce names worth poop. I I have screwed up Josh... 
Dumel's name. There you go. You got it right. This two time. years in a row. The first year I called him Josh Duhamel. Uh-huh. This year I called him what? Josh Dumal? Dumal. Dumal. And he corrected me. Yes. Usually no one corrects me. So I'm going to continue on my streak right now with Araceli Lucio Forster. I'm what? sure I've screwed that up, haven't I? <laughs> it's Lucio. But you were close. You were close. Well, I think Lucio sounds... I think we should change it. Have you thought about that? <laughs> well, people have thought about that, but I'm not Italian. I'm actually Mexican, so okay. we don't have any hard C's in Mexico. Okay, ah. so we'll go with the Lucio then. All right, good. So, I'm glad I won you over. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we got you on the phone to talk about this nasty parasitic worm. First of all, what do you do? Who are you? What do you do? Tell, tell the listeners. I am a parasitologist at Cornell University, and I usually spend my days teaching uh, our vet students about parasites. Parasitologist. Hey, will you have coffee with Dr. Debbie? She's going to love you. (laughs) I've heard that, and yes, I would love to have coffee with Dr. Debbie. Oh, there's nothing better than talking about what kind of worm you pulled out of a creature today. (laughs) Well... I agree. I agree. I think I think we'd get along just fine then. Uh, yeah. Women talk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's worm talk on Animal Radio, and there's a. Is this a new worm that this is called the Draken? Wait, hold on. I can get this. Oh, come on, Draken. Draken. You know what? I'm going to let you go for it. Okay, Dracunculus. Dracunculus. Okay. Dracunculus. Yep. So um, the. Group of worms is not is not new at all. It's uh, a very important worm of uh, of humans, actually. So it's the same worm that's called the guinea worm, um, and it's a very important parasite of people in Africa and um, South Asia. And luckily, since 1986, since the Carter Foundation started their eradication program, um, it's much less prevalent. But the particular worm the kind of sister worm that we found in these cats. Um, Yes, this is the first time it was seen in cats and actually reported. How do our cats become infected with this? So these worms have to come out of the skin. They actually um, emerge from the body of the host. I know. (laughs) This is what gets everybody, um, me included. So they they come out of the body and they are going to deposit their babies, their larvae, into fresh water. And those have to get into a little crustacean, a shrimp-like thing called a copepod, in which they're going to mature. And if they are able to do that, and something like a raccoon or a cat or a human ingests that, then that vertebrate host would become infected with the worm. Oh, it sounds like a movie. It does, it does. Well, now, is this fatal? How serious is this? Uh, It's not fatal at all. uh, It has very good prognosis. The problem is, as you might imagine, you have this pretty long worm. I don't know if you guys have seen any pictures of this thing, but um, it's about a foot long, and the ones we saw were about half a foot long. They take a while to come out of the animal, and they're going to essentially create this open sore that's going to be present for a number of days. In, in, in people, they talk about removing it, like with a matchstick and things like that. Have you ever gotten to remove one from an animal? <laughs> I haven't. So I should have told you that right up front. So I'm not a veterinarian. I am just a parasitologist, a PhD. Um, no. And I think I think if I had to remove thing, something by uh, entwining it onto a stick. So for the human version, the human version can be about a meter long. Okay. We're, we're running out of time here, but other than the, uh, other than the, six-inch worm coming out of your cat's body. What are the signs that 
that your cat has this. That's about it. Uh, they may have a bump instead of the worm actually coming all the way out. So one of the cats we saw actually came into the vet because there was a little bump that became evident. Ah. Um, and so they they caught it before it actually started to come out, and it was surgically removed, which is what they what the recommendations are. There's no drug treatment for these. Hal, can I have the tape of this interview? I would like to have the, the full tape, yeah, the no unedited version that. of this interview. Yeah, we'll copy it for you. This is going to be a diet. Pro- I'm going to market this as a diet plan because all you got to do is listen to it, and ah. you're not going to eat for a couple of years. I was just thinking that. Judy was saying, I haven't had spaghetti in a long time, and I said, <laughs> for lunch today, and I think that those plans are off, but. <laughs> Thanks for hanging with us today. We appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. There you go. She's fun. This is Animal Radio, baby. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Uh, do we have him on the phone, Judy? Judy's been working yes. tirelessly today. Big round of applause for Judy, who's booked well, a you. fabulous thank show. Thank you very much. I love when Judy works hard because, you know, that makes, uh, I don't have to do anything. So far, she has <laughs> Keep it up, Judy. She has had to call a middle school and interrupt their classes and have someone run into a classroom to get 14-year-old Brooke Martin out of uh, class to, to describe her invention, which, of course, she'll be coming up next hour. Uh, and so I, that's the kind of that's the kind of production work, you know. That's how my day goes. Forget the Josh Duhamels and the uh, all the celebrities, the Glenn Closes, all those celebrities that come on. They're it's easy Dumel, to get. It's Dumel, Hal. It's Dumel. Yeah, it's Dumel. Was, can he was can you not me, say the you. man's name correctly? <laughs> what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Do you not have you and Judy watched Win a Date with Tad Hamilton? Has that happened? Because that was your homework, and I, and I want to know if you've done that. Right after the show, you told me to check it out. Well, you know, right? we watched it years ago, and it wasn't very memorable. I really, I can't oh my remember gosh, it all. that's my favorite movie, man. I'll bet you Dr. Debbie would like it. Well, she'll like anything with Josh Dumel. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you for getting it right. <laughs> In just a couple of minutes, a lady, she's an amputee and she, uh, because she's an amputee, she's working at one of these prosthetic places and she's invented prosthetics for animals, for pets, for dogs. And she has a show on PBS called My Bionic Pet and we'll be talking to her in just a couple of minutes. Right now, it is time for Jack Shepard. Uh, he is called the Beast Master. The Beast Master. And I've asked Judy, this is family friendly, right? It is. It is. I wouldn't do that to you, Hal. Uh, welcome to the show, Jack. Can you please tell me what the Beast Master does? Hi, how are you? Yeah, the, the Beast Master is, first of all, it's a, it's a, it's a reference to a cult 80s movie. Um, and a sign that I got to make up my own title. Okay. Um, but what the Beastmaster does at BuzzFeed is that um, uh, I, I run our animals section here. We have a we have a great section at BuzzFeed.com where we 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 write things about cute animals. Cute animals like the kitties that you see on YouTube, or what? I mean, what is it exactly that you do? Do you know what you do? And do you get paid for doing what you do? <laughs> I do. I do. Amazingly, we have a, we have a staff of three people who who are just doing animal stuff. People on the internet really love animals, and particularly cats. So so we try to keep it. What what the animal section is for is mostly for for things that are kind of uplifting and fun. And and with our motto is powered by cute. So it, it really is kind of the, the cute side of animals. But we also try to keep it kind of funny and interesting, and, and something that that ultimately people will want. 
to share. And it turns out that that uh, on the internet, for some reason, the currency of the internet in some ways is is cats and cat videos, and people love sharing stuff about about animals and particularly cats. So you spend your day going through, scrolling through hundreds and hundreds of videos, and you decide which ones are going to go viral. It's not just it's not just the videos. It's also pictures and gifts and sort of stories about animals, things that that real animals have done, and sort of animals just play such a big role in people's lives. And and there's so much stuff about animals on the internet. Um, so so it's actually it's it's pretty tough to sift through and find the stuff that's actually going to be interesting to to a wide range of people. So that is a big that is a big part of what we do. If you're online or you're on Facebook, you've undoubtedly seen a forward or a share from BuzzFeed. We actually went to one of these internet cat video festivals. Have you heard of this? Uh-huh. Yeah. I was amazed at how many people showed up at that damn thing. <laughs> it's, it's hugely popular, and it's something I spend a lot of time thinking about. I'd love to hear if you guys have theories about why it is that people on the Internet care more about cats than they care about dogs. Well, how can you hate a cat that's looking so cute? I mean, what's, it, it'll cheer you up. You, someone could say, Hal, your, your father just passed away. I go look at the cute little kitties on the internet. But you know, cats and videos do so much more than dogs. I mean, dogs run around and tumble and play. Cats do that, but cats do so much more. They're vertical. They get up high. They <laughs> jump. They attack. They they can do a lot more than a dog can. My, my theory is that dogs are just trying too hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, a, when a cat gets in a box, it just feels natural. It's natural. It just felt like the right thing to do at the time, and it usually was. And when a dog does it, it's because he's trying to impress you. Right. Which is nice, but you know, you want something to kind of happen naturally. Cats don't care. Yeah, they're not trying to impress you. That's right. Uh, You should write a book. I think uh, that's next for you. That's all. Yeah, I do. I have a I have a book called uh, Sixty Seven Reasons Cats Are Better Than Dogs. Really? There you go. I have a strong. I have a strong. I'm revealing it now. I actually have a strong (sighs) cat bias, which may be another reason why cat stuff does better on the internet, as big as people like me are enforcing (laughs) our bias. I like your job. I I, yeah. Guy's got a good gig. Three. How about in four employees? I'll be your fourth. (laughs) Jack, keep us posted when the book comes out. Give us a call. And of course, I'm encouraging listeners to head on over to BuzzFeed.com and check out Jack Shepard, the original Beastmaster. Now you put the original here because I guess there's been a lot of copycats probably. Well, we have, we have, we have uh, other people in our animal section. We've got Beast, Beastmaster 2 through the portal of time, uh, Summer Burton, and Beast, Beastmaster 3 through the eye of Braxis, straight to DVD, but that's, uh, that's Chelsea, uh, who, who does a lot of our, our really great animal stuff for us. You guys are wild down there. <laughs> I bet it's pretty, I bet you walk into the BuzzFeed offices, it, uh, it's pretty It's a lot of fun. Toga yeah. party wild. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. We, we've had a lot of famous animals come through, which is Oh, really? Like who? What? what We met met Grumpy Cat. Oh, really? Little Bub. Yeah, we met Colonel Meow. Um, Yeah, we've 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 met all the all the major cats except Maru, the Japanese cat. Uh, What what about? He's a recluse. He's a recluse. Andre. Henri? Henri. Yeah, we, have, we, Henri. we haven't met Henri, actually. Maybe Henri. That's, that's next on my list. That would be a good get. Well, I'll tell you, Grumpy Cat's on my bucket list. So I need to meet Grumpy <laughs> to meet Cat. Grumpy so that's, well, this, this has been fun. This was also on my bucket list, this interview here. And I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and cross it off right now if I can. Jack, thanks for joining us. And when the book comes out, give us a call. We want you on again, okay? We'll, we'll do. Great to talk to you guys. There you go, Jack Shepard. Calling in from BuzzFeed. I thought he was going to be like a real Beastmaster guy that tells animals what to do with his brain. So he doesn't actually create anything. He just no. repurposes it and promotes it. Yeah. 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 Just writes okay. about it. it. Just sits there with a pipe in one hand and a computer in the other hand. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. FearFreeHappyHomes.com Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. (laughs) If it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. You know, it's funny. The big guy makes the announcement of all the people that walk in last minute. Doesn't make any announcement of Tammy Trujillo, who's been here since, I believe, 6 a.m. this morning working hard on finding the news that matters to you and your animals. Also on the way, we're talking to a young 14-year-old inventor who's invented something for your animals, your dogs wow. and your cats. 14, huh? Find out, 14 years. I was not an entrepreneur when I was 14. <laughs> I, was, I was more of an entrepreneur is, yeah. at 14 years old. <laughs> Let's hit the phones. Let's go to Nils. Hey, Nils, how are you? Uh, just wondering, what, how do you tell which dog food is the best? There's so many people making dog food now. Okay, so basic question, pick the best food out there. Ah, oh, it's such a horrible, horrible thing to try to give advice on because there isn't a, an absolute answer that you can just spout off the top 10 brands or diets that are out there. So for any pet owner, when we're talking about what food do you feed, how do you know what's a good food, there's a lot of criteria that we really look at. And uh, you kind of break it down, and then I, I certainly suggest grab that label of your dog food or the foods you're looking at, and, and, and kind of be a conscious shopper. Look for certain things. And and we definitely always want to have the AAFCO uh, uh, feeding trial um, a guidelines met. Um, that is by far one of the, the, the best things you can do, but it's only kind of a, a starting point. Um, from there, I like to make sure that the company is a main company that has a phone number where you can preferably get a veterinary professional on the phone if you have a question about that food. That's a very important thing that for me, some of the smaller boutique places may not always have that investment in a veterinary resource. So that's important. Um, and I like to look at certain things like, you know, the different ingredients. Meals are good. Byproducts are bad in general, um, as well as um, you know some of the other things like sugars, which you know really there's no place for that in a dog food. So if you're seeing any kind of syrups or sugar added, eh, just not good. Why get your doggy on a on a sugar source they don't really need? Um, and then also you know it, it all comes down to palatability. Does your dog like it? Will they eat it? Do they have consistent GI patterns when they're on that? Do they have any diarrhea, any vomiting intermittently? If so. 
you know, that may not be the best food for your dog. And as well as, you know, just want to make sure their hair coat looks good. Everything is nice and routine. And that when you go into that veterinary office, your vet goes, hey, what are you feeding your dog? Because I got to know, your dog looks so great. So um, I skirted around that answer, Rick, and I'm sorry for that. But but those are some of the different things that we'd really want to look at. How about protein content? You know, protein is certainly important. And it's it's the quality of the protein that's important, as well as being upfront and saying what kind of protein. So th- what we don't want to see is we don't want to see that they're just listing general meat. We want them to identify, is that chicken? Is that beef? Is it venison? Um, so yes, the quality. The quality is the most important thing so and uh, don't buy your food at walmart I, I don't think there's any foods there at walmart are they a sponsor not anymore oh yeah. i'm sorry about that but that's a great thing <laughs> Hal, because you know a lot of times you know, we're all looking to try to save money where we can but you can't necessarily make a bad diet a good one by supplementing so you can actually create more problems by feeding a crappy food diet for your dog and uh, you know you can go a long way with good sound nutrition um, just to prevent disease so judy's just running into the studio what's the deal with this interview here with the, uh, this is the teen inventor 14 year old teen inventor year old teen inventor yeah invented a, a gadget for your dogs and yeah. cats and she was going to do the interview on her dad's did. cell and i just called her dad's cell and he doesn't know anything about it so he's trying oh. to see where she is oh he so offered, MIA, huh? Yeah, he offered to do the interview, but I want to speak to the well, that's, girl. Well, that's very nice. Oh, that's I not nearly as good. prefer no. the 14-year-old girl. Yeah, I want to speak to the girl. Yeah. So the publicist set it up but didn't tell the dad, and I don't even, maybe the publicist didn't even tell the girl. Oh, that's too bad. I don't know. Oh, this this no. would have been her big break, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah this would have been I know, her. right? Yes. <laughs> yes, huge. Huge. <laughs> oh, look what it's done to your career, Joey. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, but you're getting 90 bucks grooming a cat. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love that. Hi, Patty. Where are you calling from? From Abingdon, Virginia. Ooh, where is that, Virginia? East or west side? Anywhere near Charlottesville? Uh, no, Upper East Tennessee, Lower Southwest Virginia. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let me guess. you got a flea problem. No, no. I have a car sick problem. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, I have oh. the doctor here. Dr. Debbie is here to help you. Wonderful. Hi. So what kind of critter is getting sick? Well, um, she, her mother was a Rottweiler, and it's a mixed breed. Um, there was a lab and a coon dog and a golden retriever involved as being dad. So take your pick. Okay, and, uh, a little bit of I everything. Just, <laughs> yeah, no, she, she's precious, and I have her litter mate, Samson, but he doesn't get sick at all. But okay. I've done all kinds of conditioning, and she will get into the car now, no problem. Um, I have property in North Carolina, and where I go, my dogs go. But karma starts just salivating profusely uh, right after she gets in the car. As soon as I put it in gear and start to travel, she is Niagara Falls and continues to be that way. Okay. I have tried everything that I know of and that the vet knows of and that several holistic doctors... (laughs) Mm-hmm. And this happens as soon as she gets in the car? Yeah. Well, no, she can sit in the car without it running. As soon as I put it in gear, before I even get out of the driveway, which is maybe 20 feet, she's drooling. Okay. And does she actually vomit and get sick to her stomach? No, she, she never vomits. Now, she did when she was a tiny puppy. She just turned 15, well, she turns 15 months old on Monday. But okay. um, she, she threw up when she was a puppy. But she doesn't throw up up now. It's just the salivation. And 
it gets to where, you know, it's like hanging down from her mouth. But I use a king-size comforter under them, and it's, mm-hmm. it's rip, dripping wet. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to challenge this diagnosis of car sickness because it's not car sickness. Okay. Um, not, not in the true sense of the word. If our pet gets in the car, and before you really start traveling if we're starting to see symptoms you've got anxiety so you've got more car anxiety than necessarily true motion sickness so all of those motion sickness remedies that i had popping up in my head that i was going to tell you about um some great medicines they're not necessarily going to be helpful for your dog um, because she's displaying anxious behaviors from step one of the the vehicle and the trick with that as you said you know you've done some conditioning we need to step back and do more more. Okay. Um, some pets, we may do that with just just behavioral therapy. Other pets, we might throw in an anti-anxiety medicine. So um, knowing, I don't know all the details of your pet's health situation, but that might be something if you've already tried some behavioral steps and it hasn't worked, I would, you know, ask your vet if, if this might be something that would be appropriate for your dog. Okay. But that all being said, the, the basic concepts with the counter conditioning and uh, desensitization that we want to do is we want to have every little step of the way be a positive experience experience associated with the vehicle. So if already you're kind of putting in gear and backing out and you're getting drooling, we have to take a step back before that ever happens. And for pets that are that severe, and I'll tell you, that's pretty bad. I'll be honest. Uh, A lot of my patients, it's more when they're actually driving and there's movement. But um, in your situation, the fact that it's happening so soon, um, we really need to see about making the car a positive experience in a positive place. So it's going to mean a lot of different um, kind of practicing, um, okay. staging. So what I'll often do is turn your car into the site of good things. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, we're going to feed you inside the car. With the door open, the dog food bowl goes on the on the on the chair in the or in the seat in the car, and that's going to be the place where you give treats or you give food or where you put a special fun thing. And you're not going to allow that car to actually make any noise. You're not going to drive it. You're just going to turn into something really positive. And for some dogs, this might mean you're not even going to open the door. You might do it by the side of the door just to make the general vicinity a very fun and favorable things. So this could take a period of. Maybe for some dogs, just a couple days. For other dogs, each of these little steps, you're going to have to take much longer. Because if there's any anxiety, you see the eyes are darting around, her body posture is becoming crouched or or very anxious looking, tail is held low. Or if you see that drooling, those are signs you're pushing her a little too fast, and we don't want that. So you want to make sure each step she's kind of very comfortable with that. So you're going to reward her for being near the car, reward her for going into the car, eating in the car, and then not ever doing anything. And this takes a lot of work. And then eventually what we hope to do is turn the car on and then still have positive, uh, calm behavior by your dog and re- reward her along the, lo- along the way if she is doing that, um, any sign of anxiety, and we stop. But hopefully we'll get up to where you can turn on the car and get in gear and go back um, and to back out of the driveway. Um, but that is what it's going to take to actually try to get this gal comfortable with the idea of car travel. Then you work up to going around the block and trying to get distance in it. But for her, she's, she sounds like she's got anxiety about the very concept of this car leaving the yard. But yes, I, I had to do a lot just because she used to just, I mean, if she saw the car. And actually, mm-hmm. it's a van, but if she saw it, she would walk a wide berth around it. So I've worked her up to where, I mean, she actually gets in fine. 
But mm-hmm. then, like I said, I start the car. But it, this mm-hmm. took all winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it sounds like you have the right idea. Uh, it's just I think that step from A to B is maybe a little too fast. We just got to okay. get a little bit more time to get comfortable with that concept. And uh, it's hard because I know if, you, if you're traveling, you want to take your baby. But, um, you know, putting her in that car and taking her can be very counterproductive to these steps that you're trying to do. So as much right. as you might want to have her with you, it may not be in her best interest right now while she's still trying to cope with this um, anxiety about getting in that car. So you might have to make some alternate plans until we kind of get her up to speed with things. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And that's what I will start working on because I just I just assumed that it was car sickness. All the vets say, no, it's car sickness. I thought inner ear problems. <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. Her inner ears are absolutely fine, so yeah. it's not. The anxiety makes perfect sense. And it gets more complicated. You get a dog who does have car sickness, and they they have that. They get nausea from being in movement, and then they start to get fearful about it. So you can get a dog that has the overlap of two different things, but it sure sounds like in your youngster there that uh, you know you got more just anxiety going on. So. Good luck with that, Patty. I, oh. I hope uh, she gets up to being your sidekick in the car and yes, getting to enjoy you when you're traveling. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets, or we're going to be eaten alive. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Let's uh, head on over to Rebecca. I believe it's Rebecca. Is this Rebecca? Regina. Oh, Regina. Sorry about that. What's going on, Regina? Okay. uh, My question is, uh, we have two African greys, but the youngest one, his name is Rigi, and we just got him uh, at the pet shop like a month ago. He was there. He he was at the pet shop for nine months since he was uh, a baby. And um, he never grew tail. That was the reason why the T-shirt owner was not able to sell it. So he gave us a good price on it. But I, we really liked him because nobody was going to take him home nowhere. So uh, my question is, is he going to grow a tail ever? Because I try to keep him busy. I put toys in the cage. I try to keep him on the stand most of the time for him not to be just leaning against the, the cage wall. So why you mm-hmm. can tell me about it? Okay. So just so I understand, he has not grown his tail feathers in, or is he? do you witness him pl- plucking them out? Some, some. As soon as they start growing up, he just pluck them out. Okay. And is he housed with other birds, or is he by himself? He was by himself at the time while he was in the pet shop. Right now we have more than one bird at home, so he's socializing with other birds now. So his mm-hmm. attitude is changing little by little. 
Okay, because that would be one big thing. Now, I do see some juvenile um, African greys that tend to do this, uh, you know, in captivity and sometimes just when they're kind of stressed in kind of these pet store situations. It's kind of what they do just to kind of socialize and, and kind of preen each other. But it can get excessive, and it actually can also kind of be triggered by some anxiety problems too. So I like the idea that you're trying to find him things to do. You're trying to socialize him. Um, but um, I'm also a little bit concerned because in some cases – um, we can see excessive tail feather chewing and plucking when there's actually problems medically going on down there. So there can be actually be pain, inflammation, or even problems with the preen gland, the little kind of oil gland over the tail base area. So if you haven't had him checked by a vet, an avian veterinarian, I would certainly start with that first because anything you try to do behaviorally to correct this, we're not going to get anywhere if there's if something medically we need to address. Okay, um, because I keep checking on him and I don't see any any like bleeding parts and you know because I'm being concerned about it so I check and everything is dry it's no it's it's not bleeding or it's not not infection so that's why mm-hmm. I try to keep him busy put toys inside the cage when during the time that he's in the cage and he seems yeah. to be doing better now but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna follow for what you say I'm gonna try to see the vet take him to the doctor and um, since I have more than one actually I was trying to find a place where I can, um, what do I need to do to check on the sex because I have more than one. So I really want to know what I have, how many boys or girls I have. So... Okay. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'd say for, you know, for this guy's, um, you know, interest, um, I want to make sure that he's staying active too. So, you know, you, you've got some things for him to do, but, um, there, there's also ways you can hide the food in his cage to keep him occupied. And kind of going back to this feather picking birds, it's horribly frustrating and becomes really some repetitive behaviors. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, we just kind of have to think out of the box to keep our birds busy and to keep them from picking themselves. So, you know, there's little ways you can kind of hide their food in um, pieces of balled up paper um, so that he has to kind of pick through the paper to get to the food. And if the time he spends... I'll make it interesting. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the time that, you know, caged birds, we pretty much present the food to them, sit it in front of them and say, okay, go ahead and eat. And it's it's boring. You know, it's very boring. Yeah, because it's the only time when he gets very active when he's he's hungry and he starts... So what I did is I removed the food from the cage and I put it on the stand. So what I do is I force him to walk up with the cage and get the food once he's out of the cage because he's very irrational now. He's like, he's very, he's very, um, he, he doesn't let me pet him or anything, so it's a mm-hmm. fight. So he's very aggressive. So what I try to do is just make him get out of the cage and close the cage and try to keep him on the stand because most of the time uh-huh. he's leaning against the cage in a corner, like uh-huh. in a sitting position. So I go like, that's Aww. never going to let the tail to grow any feathers because he's always against the the yep. floor or the cage, so I try to keep him understand most of the time. Yeah, and then one other thing, and, and your vet can kind of help you with this as well, is uh, sometimes, you know, African greys are big birds. Sometimes if their wings are trimmed a little bit overly aggressively, it causes them to fall and injure their tail feathers more, and that can lead to inflammation in the feather shaft. So that's where, you know, I know you're not seeing anything going on there, but this is where the veterinary eyes might be helpful in determining if there's something like that that we need to back down on a wing trim, use some anti 
light inflammatory pain relievers to help. Um, so, oh, so okay. that's kind of, so there's a lot we can try in that avenue. Now you did bring up something about, uh, sexing these guys. So there's definitely a blood test we can do, a DNA blood test to sex birds that you just can't tell from the outside what sex they are. Um, and, and that too, your, your avian veterinarian can help you with that. We either draw blood from one of the veins or even sometimes just from a toenail trim. Um, okay. but yeah. So that can definitely be done. And it might help you kind of understand some of your birdie's behavior as well. So, Yeah, yeah because uh, Luigi is something special. Because I have this issue with, with Patrick, my other African grey. He was plucking the feathers from his chest. But I give him more toys and I allow him more time off the cage. And that helps a lot. He's, he's all socializing and all over the place now. And at night they sleep in the cage. So maybe uh-huh. Luigi is younger than, than Patrick, so I was hoping that that is going to help. But I'm going to follow to what you say, and thank you for taking my call, and I love your show. Thank oh, you. Thank you so much, Regina. We appreciate your call. I did not realize you were bilingual. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. sometimes, you know, I definitely, you know, have people from all walks of life coming in here and all places across the globe. So uh, yeah. I, I did not understand a word of that. But she was talking about a bird, right? Sexing her bird, right? <laughs> yeah, sexing a bird and feather picking in her African gray. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an idiot. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app. For iPhone and Android. Hey, this is Josh Demel on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. This is a time-sensitive message from the Back Pain Relief Hotline. Millions of people across the nation are suffering from back pain. Are you? Are you on Medicare? Is it hard to walk, to bend over, or even do simple things? Well, we have great news. If you're on Medicare, you could qualify to receive a pain-relieving back brace. We'll handle all the Medicare paperwork if you qualify and ship your new back brace right to your door. Make sure you have your Medicare card ready and please call. Call us right now and get all the details. It only takes a few minutes. Imagine doing everything you used to do before your back pain. With your Medicare card ready, call the Back Pain Relief Hotline today. Call now. 800-254-3218. 800-254-3218. That's 800-254-3218. Paid for by the Health Alert Hotline. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Well, what kind of pet you have apparently says a lot about you. CareerBuilder.com sponsored an online survey looking for a connection between a person's pet and that person's profession, their annual salary, and their level of job satisfaction. Now, among some of the results, CEOs are primarily dog owners. Snake and reptile owners are among the highest paid workers out there, earning six-figure salaries. People who like their jobs generally have a bird at home. Doctors, lab techs, personal caregivers, and realtors tend to have cats as pets. And fish usually belong to people working in the financial field or the hotel and leisure industries. Now, remember, this study's just for fun, so if you don't match up, don't don't freak out. You have the right pet. Okay, please, don't rush out and change pets on us. Now, some dogs, they have a real fascination with their tails, and it might not be anything to worry about, but then again, it might be. Most of the time, it's simply your dog enjoying some exercise in a very pet-centric way. But some scientists are now saying if your dog keeps on doing this, it could be a sign of an anal gland problem, flea-allergic dermatitis, or other medical issues. And in some dogs, they now know it could actually be a sign of obsessive-compulsive disorder. 
And you can check to see if it is by noting whether you can distract your dog from a serious tail chasing session or not. Now, this could actually have some huge implications for people. Researchers have zeroed in on four genes that are connected to OCD in dogs. Now, if those same genes are found to be malfunctioning in the human version of the disorder, and some studies seem to indicate they really are, this could eventually lead scientists to develop better drugs to deal with obsessive-compulsive disorder. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking news at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, it's Alan Cable. You know, 33% of us pet owners talk to our pets on the phone with the answering machine when we're away. 62% of us sign letters and cards. So it looks like it's coming from both you and your pet. 79% give their pets holiday and birthday presents. 50% of those actually throw birthday celebration parties. And 17% of us sometimes dress our pets. You probably heard about the Labradoodle that looks like a lion. Are you serious? Oh yeah, listen to some of the 911 calls. And there was a lion that ran across the street, a baby lion. Lion, a baby lion. Had the mange and everything. Here's his owner. I tell people he's a lava lion. When people see Charlie the dog walking, they really freak out. I've seen him literally dive through the window to get in the car thinking a lion is after them. Oh, this stuff's fun. We all love to humanize our dogs, don't we? Give them human emotions. I was at soccer on Saturday, and this guy comes up and says, Can I pet your dog? I said, Sure. He commences to acting like a nut. Oh, you're a good boy. You're just such a good boy. I said, Dude, come on. You're going to get him all wound up. And I've taught him he needs to be calm. Here's the irony. He tells me he noticed how calm and mellow and well-behaved my dog is. I said, Then why are you trying to juice him up like that? I said, Buddy, you got to be calm when you pet a dog. Just mellow. You don't want to act like his head is the hope diamond. Of course, he doesn't get it, or he doesn't want to get it. And here's more irony. He tells me he's got dogs, and he doesn't believe in ever putting them on a leash. And he says, you know why? Here's why. Would you want to be on a leash? I already know the answer, but just for the heck of it, I ask him, do you bring your dogs out? He says, no, of course not. I can't bring them anywhere. I can't control them. They might knock down a kid or an old woman. Of course, he doesn't hear what he's saying. It's not the uh, it's not the breed. It's the owner. The owner is everything. When you talk dog... The owner is the whole ball of wax. You know, when, when you got a person who's educated and understands what their breed needs and gives their dog structure and leadership and exercise and then attention, given at the right time, at, in the right way, you will have a great, happy, calm, well-adjusted, fantastic dog. Like Kayla. Kayla, of course, belongs to Brooke, 14-year-old Brooke, who we will talk to in just a couple of minutes. She's an inventor, and she's invented something for your dog. So that your dog won't have separation anxiety. I always love these young inventors. They're 14. 14 huh? years old. Wow. So I, I hope it's good. Because yes. at 14 years old, my invention was, at least for my science project, was the, uh, well, the volcano that exploded <laughs> with the baking soda. That was about all that I could do at that age. I thought it was drool. I thought drool was your big one. That was my thing. big one. But, uh, you, yeah. hey, Alan, I got to tell you something. You know, guess who has an idea here? I, I have an idea sometimes. Maybe once. Never. What? Who? You? Tammy has an idea. I do. Oh, an idea. I love ideas, I Tammy, because I've never I've never seen one. But I already told her oh. that you would take 50% of it. No, I won't take 50%. I'll, I, I won't take... I, just tell me what the idea is, and I'll... And, and I just I just love ideas. Just, <laughs> See, yeah, just give Tammy, me something. Let me tell you, I tried to pitch him on my prescription windshield, because I thought that would be a great idea. Uh, Always forgetting huh. my glasses in the that car. Is a, that is a great oh, idea. Oh, I like That's that genius. idea, actually. I've been very excited about this next guest. I welcome Jennifer Robinson to the air. Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. You uh, you have been wearing a prosthetic since two years old. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a. I was born with a um, bilateral femoral uh, proximal deficiency (PFFD) 
and um, I had a corrective amputation when I was probably before I was two, about 18 months old. Wow. Um, I was born with a small foot on the right side. And um, so after I had the amputation, they fit with me with my prosthesis, and I've been using one ever since, which is pretty, it was a long time, so 35 years. <laughs> okay, yeah. And you actually work at a prosthetic maker, is that correct? You know, I um, worked um, at a, a prosthetic clinic, orthotic and prosthetic clinic, um, called West Coast Brace and Limb, actually for 15 years. Okay. And it was an incredible experience. It was wonderful. And um, I got to meet a lot of other people, different ages, young, old, different um, amputation circumstances, different types of prosthetic devices that they, they all used. And, you know, every time I met somebody, their story was so different. But the thing that sort of tied us all together was this ability to adapt and move on. So it was a, an incredible experience. It was a great place to work. Now, what type of prosthetics do they make? Was it just for humans or was it for animals as well? They did see quite a number of uh, non-human patients, dogs, cats, um, of all sizes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, So, like legs for cats and dogs? Yep. Um, uh, legs, uh, you know, a Journey, um, the Golden Retriever is a therapy dog that I met um, there several years ago who was born missing a front paw. And um, he's sort of, you know, our most well-known non-human patient. And um, he wears a prosthetic paw um, every day. And he actually goes to hospitals in the area and sort of walks, you know, through the hospitals and oh, visits wow. patients that are in the hospital. And it's amazing, that connection. Well, let's, oh let's talk about the dogs real fast, uh, because I've seen lots of tripod dogs. Um, mm -hmm. Many, And they, you know what? They don't know that they they're missing a leg. They go on about their business like it's no big deal. My question is, when we put a prosthetic on them, are we doing it for us or are we doing it for them? Does it make a big difference for them? You know, uh, to be honest, I, th I think it, it, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think it makes us feel good to be able to um, take care of our fellow creatures here. Um, but, you know, a, a Journey would not wear the prosthesis really? if it didn't help him. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? So he puts it on every morning to go, and it makes it easier for him to, I mean, because it's the same thing with a human being. You know, if you're you're putting more stress, he's putting more stress on his three other legs when he doesn't have the prosthesis. It's really adorable because he, he, he takes it off, and then he sniffs his little leg, you know, and licks it and cleans <laughs> it and everything like that at night. It's adorable, and he knows when to put it on every morning. So I don't think an animal isn't going to wear a prosthesis because, oh, this is, this is going to make me look, quote-unquote, normal. Or, you know, like because of the perception an animal is going to tolerate a prosthesis every well, you, day because it helps them. Well, I also notice with Journey is it's the front leg. And the front leg, from my understanding, it's a little harder if they lose a front leg because you, mm -hmm. they bear their weight on the front. On the back, they can get around with three legs. Yeah, they definitely there's more body weight that's um, dis dispersed on the front limbs. But, you know, I think the interesting thing with the prosthetics is, you know, we're talking dogs, but there's a lot of other creatures that this has really helped and you know there's stories of you know dolphins uh, alligators you know having prosthetics to help them be regular animals so you know we're not talking about you know necessarily being pet companions but you know there's wild birds, birds. different collections yeah. where they can have um, you know beak replacements they can have uh, prosthetic legs and you know closest thing I come to in my office is the tortoises after we have to amputate their limb you know we give them either a little rolling a wheel or a skid plate so <laughs> n nothing quite so high-tech 
Did we're, you just see? Did you guys see about a week ago the uh, woman who's a professional surfer and a uh, tiger shark bit her arm off and she kept competing and mm-hmm. she just now won the championship after ten years. She never gave up. I mean, yeah. it's so many inspirational stories. I'm just so motivated by folks that you know they have an obstacle, they overcome it. They don't want anybody to feel sorry for them. People like you. I mean, you're just an inspiration to everyone, and and it's uh-huh. wonderful to talk to you. Well, thank you. You know, I know that Darwin, you know, is survival of the fittest, you know, um, but I think that it really should be called, you know, survival of the uh, the creatures that can adapt sure. to the best. And, and I think that, you know, human, dog, cat, elephant, horse, if you can adapt, you've got it made. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm all about. I'm actually, I'm actually the missing link. Not a lot of people know that. Hal, Hal actually has a prosthetic head. <laughs> yeah. I, I've overcome a lot of adversity. Uh, which is amazing. Thank you for hanging with us today, Jennifer Robinson. And uh, let's talk about the TV program really fast before you go. It's on PBS. It's called My Bionic Pet. What's that all about, and, and how are you involved? Um, well, basically, the show um, sort of tracks you know all different types of animals, and um, the, the one thing that they all have in common is that they are wearing some sort of prosthetic device. So you're going to see different species. You're going to see different technologies, and the one thing that ties them together is, number one, that people have come together to improve the lives of these animals. Jennifer, you're awesome. Oh, thank yes. you. You're awesome. <laughs> I hope to talk to you again real soon. All right. You take care. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now, and with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. Hi, this is Paul Rogers and Cynthia Rogers on Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right, meow. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you've had no chance yet to download the Animal Radio app, now's the time to do it. Well, not this second. Within the near future. It's free. You can listen to the Animal Radio show anytime you want, and you can ask your questions of the Dream Team anytime you want and browse our resources. Head on over to your uh, iTunes store or Google Play and download that puppy right now. Do we have her? Do we? Were we able to we get this do. young lady on the phone? Yes. Hey, Brooke, how are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Splendid. Now, 
Are you in school? Did we get we caught you at school, didn't we? Yeah, I'm on my lunch right now. So what's, what's for lunch? What are you eating? <laughs> um, you know, I'm not eating right now, but I'm not sure yet. <laughs> well, now tell the listeners you invented something great for the animals, great for dogs, especially. What is it you invented? So it's a device called Icy Pooch, and it's a device that lets you video chat with your dog and deliver a treat to them remotely. So while you're away from home, um, whether it's at work, on vacation, you basically can go on your smartphone, tablet, or computer and call up your dog. It's two-way video chat, and then there's a button that when you press it, it swipes out a cookie to your dog at home. Wow. Wow. How did you think of this? Um, Well, it was kind of for an eighth grade school project when I was 12. Um, My golden retriever, Kayla, when we first adopted her, she suffered from really bad separation anxiety. So I wanted a way to kind of help um, calm her down while we were away and just kind of comfort her and other dogs. There's a video chat feature, so she can uh, she can actually see. She can see and hear me and I can see and hear her. And that doesn't freak her out, huh? No, it doesn't. I mean, she really responds to my commands, so I can tell her to sit, lay down, wait for a cookie, and yeah, she she responds really well. Yeah. Uh, what what is it? Can dogs see on TV or on a screen like that? Can, if they, can they actually see the picture of you? They can, and you know, there's been a lot of you know, kind of people have asked that question a lot, but there have been several studies that show um, dogs can see LCD screens. When your dog goes to this, does she do it during the day, maybe, or when you're actually there just to get the treat? Um, she does. You know, sometimes when we're actually there, she'll just lay down by it. Like wow. last night at dinner, we looked over and she was just laying next to it, just looking <laughs> at it, waiting for a treat. So, um, I think they they definitely catch on once they realize what it does and how it works. But it's it's really fun and fun to watch them interact well, with it. <laughs> What a smart kid, though. Unbelievable. My eighth grade school project had to do with cardboard and and glue and and, and, and paper. (laughs) This girl's going to be a millionaire by the time she's 20. Is this your first idea? This is. I mean, this is kind of my first big um, idea that I've developed, but I've always kind of been an entrepreneur at heart. So, Well, you were a part of the Young Scientist Challenge. Tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah, so it's the um, Discovery Education 3M Young Scientist Challenge, and every year um, they put on this challenge for kids grades 5 through 8. So basically kids from all over the United States enter a one- to two-minute video um, talking about an invention or idea that they have. So I decided to enter because it sounded like a lot of fun, and I was actually selected as a top 10 finalist um, so that was such a, an amazing, you know, thing to hear, and I was really excited. And I got to work with a 3M scientist over the summer wow. um, to kind of help test and develop the idea. Um, so that was an amazing experience just to be able um, to work with her. And then in October, I flew um, to St. Paul, where the 3M Innovation Center is, and I competed against the nine other finalists where I took second place. So Amazing. Wow. Truly amazing. I know, I'm just it looking was, at it. It was so fun. I mean, she also has a horse. She has uh, she studies piano, violin, and maintains a 4.0 GPA. Oh, you're one of those, aren't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're that you're that girl. The uh, so the IC Pooch is what you named it. I C Pooch. Can we purchase it now? Is it is it available now? 
No, it's not available yet. We are beginning the manufacturing process and we'll be selling in May. Wow. Very exciting stuff. Well, will you keep us posted and let us know when it comes out? Definitely. Thank you guys so much. You can go back to your lunch right now. What is it? Peanut butter and jelly? Okay, probably. (laughs) Take care. There she goes. Amazing young lady there. That is 14-year-old. Yeah, isn't it? Brooke and her dog, Kayla, who she invented this uh, device because Kayla was getting separation anxiety. You know, I, I hate her. I mean, I don't really hate her. I just hate her because she's so much better than me. Yeah. She's got her she stuff together so at 14. I know. But that is unbelievable. Mature? What a smart yeah. kid. She sounds more mature than some of our older interviewees. I'll go see some of our, yeah. our hosts. Yeah, really. You're not what are you looking at me for? <laughs> But she don't get $90 a groom a cat. Yeah. So there. Uh, that's all we have time for today, thankfully. Uh, but we had a lot of fun. I want to thank Brooke Martin, little 14-year-old Brooke Martin. I want to thank Beastmaster Jack, Jack Shepard and amputee Jennifer Robinson. Do we really have to call her amputee Jennifer Robinson? I think she can stand on her own. Be sure to check out the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. And listen to the show anytime you want, as well as ask questions of the Dream Team. Have yourself a great week. We'll see you next week right here on this fine station for more Animal Radio. See you guys. Bye-bye. Love me, Bye. Dr. Debbie. Just love me. This is Animal Radio Network.